Hello, Oba, and Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. Today, we're talking about UFC 240, Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar, which is an exciting card. But as you guys know, we are only talking about the prelim portion on this podcast. That's right. This podcast only looking at the prelims. Now, if you're new to the show, you're probably wondering to yourself, why are they only talking about the prelims? The main event is very intriguing. We could talk for hours about that one. But the fact of the matter is, you probably already got pretty strong opinions about that fight. And you've probably thought about the main card quite a bit because it's in your face. It's on the TV screen all the time. It's the first thing you see when you click on the UFC page. But you probably haven't thought too much about the prelims, and we believe that that's where the value's at when you're gambling or when you're doing daily fantasy sports. So we're here to help you out with that. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I want to remind you that this podcast is exclusively sponsored by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports for MMA. Listen to this. So instead of paying attention to salary caps and goofy things like that from the other guys, instead you're just going to pick five people who you are positive are going to win. That's right. You just got to pick five people, tell me how they're going to win, and tell us what round they're going to win. And you just watch the points rack up from there. It's much, much, much more simple than all of those crazy other guys. So head on over to BSMMA.com where they're going to give you your first contest for free. That's right. Your first contest for free. Just use contest code PRELIM9. P-R-E-L-I-M and the number 9. And that's going to get you your first free contest and a chance to win some BSMMA swag. Head on over there now and get your picks in today. And to help you out with those picks over on BSMMA.com, I have been enlisted the help of a very savvy co-host. You guys might know him from Combat Docket. Once again, joining me is Benjamin Abrigo. Ben, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you stopping by again. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure to be on. All right. So as you guys know, in order to get through all of these prelims, we're going to have three five-minute rounds. So let's first put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round talking about the most interesting and a fight that might have title implications, and that's Alexandre Pantoja versus Davidson Fregueredo. So Pantoja's on a three-fight win streak. He's beaten Wilson Hayes, Olka Sasaki, and Brandon Moreno, and only Brandon Moreno managed to go the distance with him. The other two got finished. Figueredo is 2-1 and one in his last three. He does have a recent loss to Juicy A. Formiga, but before that, he KO'd John Moraga with a shot to the body, which is... Damn impressive. Now, in order to win this fight, I think figure, or, uh, Pantoja rather needs to keep the distance. Can he keep the distance well enough to avoid that big blow from Figueredo? I think in general, no. Uh, I think I'm going to side with Figueredo on this, not to jump the shark on my pick too much, but um, or, or jump the boat on my pick. Uh, but I think, you know, Figueredo is just an absolute powerhouse at 125. His athleticism is at least seems to be totally off the charts. Um, and I understand, you know, guys have, at least one guy has been able to shut that down. Uh, but I don't think Pantoja is the guy that has the size, the grappling ability, or even really, I don't think Pantoja has the striking ability. He's a super efficient fighter, very well-rounded and, and I think very well-versed on his feet, but I just think Figueredo is going to be way too powerful. Um, I think he'll keep it on the feet for as long as he wants to. 
Um, maybe get a mix in a like a, a blast double egg here and there, but I, I I still believe way too much in Figueroa's athleticism here, and I, I just I don't think Pantoja is is going to be able to dictate the fight in a way that a guy like Juicy Formiga was able to do with his grappling. Yeah, and I think if Figueroa, the only thing he's going to ever have problems in the flyweight division is somebody who's super technical, which is why I think he had trouble with Formiga. Is that Formiga? does everything very technically. He knows how to close distance really well. Whereas, like, Pantoja couldn't overcome Dustin Ortiz's athleticism, right? And, and, you know, that's not a knock on Dustin Ortiz, but he's just not as athletic as Davidson Figueredo. So, uh, you know, we could wrap this one up fairly quick here. I'm going with Figueredo, and not only am I going with him, I think he finishes him. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I, I like Figueredo by decision here. I actually, I mean, I think it's a pretty close and, like you said at the top, at the top a very interesting fight. Um, but I just, I like Figueredo to, to hurt him a few times throughout the fight. Absolutely. Now, here's another exciting fight that might also have title implications, and that's Alexis Davis versus Vivian Arulo. Uh Davis is 1-2 since moving to flyweight. So, while that's not impressive, she still is ranked in the top 10. She beat title challenger Liz Carmouche and recently lost to uh, Maya and Chokagian, which are, which are decent losses in there, too. Arrio started at Bantamweight, not at flyweight, at Bantamweight, and she started with one of the most violent KOs we've seen in some time over Talia uh, Bernardo back in May, which is a short turnaround. Now, Obviously, that first fight for her was short notice. It was impressive as hell, but at the same time, she was fighting Talita Bernardo, which is a completely different animal than Alexis Davis. How much value do you put on that first performance? I put a little bit of value in there because she did look phenomenal, right? She landed a huge right hand in the first round and then, you know, and later in the round landed another huge right hand to to absolutely melt Talita Bernardo. That said, like, you know, I feel like I saw a lot of holes and I feel like, you know, you were describing Alexis Davis. She's a longtime veteran, super gritty, um, has fought at 135 for a huge chunk of her career. Um, I know this fights at back at flyweight, but she's, I think, going to be the bigger, more physical woman here. Um, so while, you know, Arujo came into the UFC and I, at least for me, really opened my eyeballs because it was a beautiful knockout and just an overall beautiful performance. I think a lot of people here are sleeping on Alexis Davis and her grit, her particularly her skill on the mat um, and her overall experience, I think, is going to make this a pretty interesting fight, to be honest. Yeah, and I think a lot of people took Arruyo's performance and saw her stuff a grappling attempt or two. But she stuffed a grappling attempt or two from Toledo Bernardo, which, again, I, I hate to say, like, you know, sound disparaging here, but Toledo Bernardo is not Alexis Davis when it comes to grappling, right? Like, she's not in the same ballpark as Alexis Davis. On top of that, you know, like Alexis Davis might, even though Bernardo is still fighting at Bantamweight, Alexis Davis might be bigger than Bernardo. So, yeah, I, I, I want to pick Arruyo because I just think she's so exciting and it would be like a breath of fresh air in a division that could probably use a challenger. But, man, I just find myself leaning towards Alexis Davis by decision here. How about you? I'm going to lean the other way, uh, Arujo by decision. Uh, just based on her speed, athleticism, I think she'll generally be able to stay out of trouble on the mat and, and land shots on the feet. All right, well, there you have it. That is the end of round one. We are done with our five minutes of time. We will get back to you after a short word from our sponsors. All right, I'm going to talk to you about my favorite feature on BSMMA.com, and that is the create your own contest option. So 
you got a whole bunch of friends over watching the fight. You got pizza and, and some maybe adult sodas flowing. You want to make sure that you have a way to compete against those friends, right? So rather than just shouting out your picks before the fight start, why not set up a contest on bsmma.com? Have all of your friends, it's real quick to set up a, a profile, have them all set up a quick profile on bsma.com, log in, make their picks, and then you can watch those points in real time tally up so that you don't have to argue, oh no, Billy did actually think Felicia Spencer was going to win. Nobody thought Felicia Spencer was going to win. So make sure that you set up your own contest, and while you're there, check out our free contest with the contest code PRELIM9. Check out their money contest. There's a lot of guaranteed money out there that you can win over at bsmma.com. Check them out today. And we are back with round number two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this one by talking about another women's bout, and that is Jillian Robertson versus Sarah Frota. Uh, Robertson, 3-1 and one at flyweight with subs in every single one of those contests. That's right, she's finishing like crazy. Sarah Frota recently made her debut 0-1. She lost to Lavia Souza by split decision in, a, in a bout that some people had her winning. Now, I'm going to ask you a question from a different angle on this one. Now, if you're coaching Sarah Frota here... You might know that she could get the takedown. You might know she could probably win a slugfest. Do you encourage her to slug it out with Jillian Robertson, or do you force her to take it to the ground on her own terms? I think that's a good question. I would say I kind of want to say neither, partly because I think if she lets lets her hands fly on the feet, I think Robertson's going to put her on her butt right away. Um, I would say – Engage very carefully on the mat with Jillian Robertson. Um, I would say, in general, I think Froda should have the advantage on the feet, but that, I don't even know if that's clear, to be honest. She's kind of slow uh, and not super technical. At the same time, neither is Jillian Robertson on the feet. Mm-hmm. What I absolutely love about Robertson is her ground game. Uh, all those submissions, it's not always pretty how she gets it to the mat, but once she gets it on the mat, she is absolutely relentless with her advancing of positions, her ground and pound, hunting for submissions. Uh, I think if this goes on the mat, I think Froda is in trouble, even if Froda gets on top, because Robertson is so good with, you know, deep half guard sweeps, things like that, to immediately get into into a uh, top position. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I know I was talking about, like, how does Froda want to approach this one? Ultimately, I don't think it's all that important how Frodo wants to approach this one because every time I see Jillian Robertson, she comes out with a better and better takedown game. You, you know, you mentioned it's not always pretty with the takedowns. It has gotten progressively prettier, and I think it's all that work with Dean Thomas. You know, like somebody's around Dean Thomas for a long enough time, they're going to get a, a better takedown game. So I think her takedowns are getting better and better. It's only going to take her one or two times of getting Froda down to sink a rear naked choke here. So I, I think the easy sort of pick here is going Jillian Robertson by submission. I'm with that 100%. I'm pretty high on Jillian Robertson, so I, I like her by sub here. All right, so here's another person that some some people are quite high on. In this matchup, we got Hakeem Daudo versus Yoshinori Hori. So Daudo is a guy who came into the UFC with tons of hype behind him, but he's 2-1. He recently is on a, a back-to-back wins over Kyle Bochniak and Austin Arnett, but he did lose his first fight fairly brutally to Danny Henry. He got stung on the feet, quick guillotine in like a minute or so. 
Hori, on the other hand, making his UFC debut. He's 9-1-1. Uh, lots of knockouts in there. Lots of knockouts in, in there. Now, being that Dawido has been stunned before, and by a guy who's not known for his boxing in Danny Henry, is Hori a tough matchup for him stylistically? I think so, to be honest, man. And I got excited watching Yoshinori Hori's fights uh, to prepare to talk about this because – um, he has absolute dynamite in his hands. He's not super big for 145. Uh, he's kind of a strict counter puncher. So there might be long stretches of this fight where it's guys kind of staring and fainting at each other, staring and fainting. Um, but I do think just the, the sheer power that he, that he possesses and the fact that Dawadu, I assume, is not going to go for a takedown. Um, that makes this, that makes Hori like, uh, you know, a live challenge here. At the same time, um, I think Dawadu's kicking game is going to give him the edge on the feet in general. But honestly, like if people have never seen Yoshinori Hori fight, don't be surprised if you see, you know, him him sleep Hakeem Dawadu in Canada of all places. Yeah, and I, I think too the thing that I, worries me about Dawudo is that he he his hands move farther and farther away from his face the more feints he throws. So like he, he sets his hands really close to his face. And then he faints once or twice, and you'll notice they're further and further away from his face. And with the way that Hori sometimes throws some of those wild shots that come way from the side, I feel like he can almost get around the guard of Dowdo, and it's only going to take one, right? Like, cause he's got dynamite in his hands. I think probably the safe bet, if you're like a betting person, is Dowdo. Uh, but I think I'm going to pick Hori by knockout here. Yeah, I I would not be surprised. I my official pick if I have to pick, I'm going to go with Hakeem Dawadu by decision, but this is this is not one I have a ton of confidence in. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our second round. We're going to be back with our last three fights at UFC 240 after one more break from our sponsor. <laughs> So we already talked about that it's real simple to make your picks on BSMMA.com. You just pick five winners, five rounds, five methods, and that's it. But they also have a fun bonus that you can tack on to each and every single pick that you make. Now, those bonuses range in all different kinds of ways. Maybe you think your fighter is going to get the job done quick. That's the Cinderella bonus where you can pick up 15 extra points for getting the job done in two minutes or less. You get the AC Slater bonus where you get extra points if your fighter gets all kinds of takedowns. So think about what kind of fight that your fighter is planning on making it and then add that bonus to them. So they're real fun. Get to know them. There's just five in total. Check them out at BSMMA.com. Now back for round three. And we are back with round number three. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And this one's the lightning round because we got three fights to talk about. We're going to start with Gavin Tucker versus Sung Woo Choi. Gavin Tucker, one and one in his UFC career, but he has not fought in two years due to some health issues and some other things. Way back when, he broke Sam Cecilia's face in like 30 different places, and then he lost the decision to Rick Glenn. Uh, Sung Woo Choi. 0-1 in the UFC, he's 7-2 overall. He lost to Movsar Ebelev uh, in his debut by decision. So in his debut, everybody thought that Gavin Tucker was like the prospect to watch. Are you still behind him to any extent at this point? Uh, not really. I mean, that sounds horrible to say, but after after rewatching his last performance against uh, Rick Glenn, and there's no shame in losing to a guy like Rick Glenn who has you know tons of championship experience, whatnot. Uh, but the cardio issues he fought emotionally, 
Um, and then now this super long layoff, it's hard to come in with, with any level of confidence. Whereas if this fight had happened in 2017, like you said, everybody is, is behind Gavin Tucker because he was supposed to be a, a, a big deal. And maybe he still can be, but you know, it's it's hard to have any level of confidence in, in where he's at right now. Yeah, and even though I have a low level of confidence here, I do think, you know, just being the big puncher, the guy who can do tons of damage here, I think they sort of set him up with a fight that makes sense for him in Sung Woo Choi. And, and, and even though I'm I'm worried about him and I wouldn't rank it high in the, the fights that I'm really confident about, I am going to take Gavin Tucker by knockout here. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I like Gavin Tucker by knockout as well. Sung Woo Choi is long and lanky, but I don't think he has the skills to maintain that range. Absolutely. All right, and so in the next one, we're going to talk about Eric Coach versus Kyle Stewart. So Coach is, is on a two-fight skid. He's 0-2 in his last two, but those fights were to Clay Guida and Bobby Green, which which are certainly respectable. He actually doesn't have a win in the last three years, which is pretty crazy. Kyle Stewart's 0-1 in his UFC career, but he got outworked on the ground by Chance Rencounter, Chance Rencounter, who has shown that he's an absolute beast on the mat by beating Ishmael Nardiev in his last fight. So, uh, obviously, the thing here is whether or not Coach can move forward, because that's sort of been the trouble with him in his last two fights, is Bobby Green and Clay Guida don't let you move forward an inch. Is Kyle Stewart going to give him that chance to move forward and sort of take the decision that way? Well, I think it's interesting here uh, because this fight's at 170. So we're seeing Eric Coach move up yet another weight class where I thought, like you said, against Bobby Green, Clay Guida, I feel like he even had trouble with their physicality. Uh, That said, I'm not super high on Kyle Stewart's skills overall, whether on the mat or on the feet. Um, And Eric Coach is still a very, very skilled guy. Um, So I like Coach here by... I think submission, I think he can get it to the mat and, and lock into submission, but I just think he's, he's the more skilled fighter overall, unless his body is totally broken down. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with coach two here, but I will say that while I was really low on Stewart and in like, just when I heard his name, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, he's, he's probably not that great. I went back and remembered that he lost a chance for encounter and that fight seemed really one-sided and was really one-sided, but then, Chance showed that he's a killer, too. So I'm being a little bit more cautious here, but I'm going to take Coach by decision here. And that brings us to our last fight, which is a heavyweight offering between Tanner Bolser versus Giacomo Lemos. So both of them making their UFC debut. Bolser has got a wealth of experience. The dude is 16-5-1, and and he's coming off a leg kick KO. He's got wins over UFC vets and Tim Haig and, and uh, Chase Gormley. Uh, Lemos, though, is 6-0 and in his making his debut he's got all finishes in those six fights so obviously one's record looks much cleaner but the other one has fought the much tougher guys how do you break down a guy like lemos who has fought mostly cans uh it's a very he's a very this is a very heavyweight fight overall (laughs) lemos lemos is the huge jacked guy and tanner boser is the huge blubbery guy um and generally i side with the huge blubbery guy and that's what i think i think lemos like you said has not fought anywhere near the level of of competition that boser has he at least appears to be much more raw boser i trust his gas tank more you know lemos with all the finishes uh but you know, it's again, this is another fight where I can't be super confident just because we don't know a ton about these guys. I'm actually a little bit more confident than that, too, because I've seen some of Lemos's fights over. I believe he fought mostly in Korea in his last couple of fights. 
And he's got good clinch work, but his gas tank is really brutal. And I think it is because, like you said, he is that big, strong guy. I'm going to take the blubbery guy who's got championship-level experience. That that leg kick KO he got in his last fight was in the fourth round. So, like, he's still throwing bombs in the fourth round, whereas Lemos, it looks like when he gets to the second, his punches look labored, he looks tired. So I'm going to go by Bowser, and I'm not only just going to go with Bowser, I'm going to go with Bowser by KO, too. Yeah, I like Bozer by by knockout. Maybe second round after Lemos just totally falls apart, I assume. All right, and that does it for our time limit here. We have gone through three five-minute rounds, seven total fights. UFC 240 is an absolute banger on the prelims, even if their main card is a little underwhelming. Uh, ben, I want to thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate you stopping by and letting us run this bag. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure.